Good morning, and welcome to Conversations with Buddy. We record these podcasts at the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will pack someone. We hope that someone is you. Please take a moment to uh, rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast episode on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out to the people and impact the world one testimony at a time. Uh, This morning, I'm excited and grateful to introduce my guest and friend, Clinton Pippert. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad you're here, man. It's going to be awesome. Well, let's talk about Clinton. I want to do a quick introduction of you, and then we'll dive in deep and hear all the stories. So here's why I know about Clinton. Uh, Clinton's a husband. Who's your wife? My wife is Caitlin. Caitlin, yep. You have two kids and one on the way. Correct. Is that a true story? Mm-hmm. What's the name of your kids? We've got Emmett, who's three, Nicholas at two, and then we've got a baby on the way. Do we know what it is yet? Little girl. Little girl. You got a name? Uh, yes. We're kind of debating between two okay, right now. Okay, so we won't we won't discuss yeah, that too no. much. Got it. So yeah, husband, father, you're a realtor, you're a disc golf enthusiast. That was my word, by the way, because <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly yet, but we'll find out. And then a few more things is... Your goal was to be a stay-at-home husband and father, and we'll talk about the view on the service that led you to that route. I want to hear that. That's going to be really good. You were born with a club foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, I don't see any club foot today, so you're walking normal. Uh, You've worked 20-plus different jobs. Awesome. Uh, You have credits from four different colleges over seven years to get your degree. What, What was your degree in? Uh, business administration. Okay. After a few changes. After a few changes. I think it's pretty typical of most young people. They go to college and they start with one and they end up with mm-hmm. one or two or three others. So I get that. And then you're really good with numbers and math and you like to see the patterns within the sets of numbers. That's interesting. Yeah. Math is interesting. Not a lot I, of people like it. I like math. <laughs> Actually, I like, hmm, maybe I don't know if I like math or not. We'll find out. Well, hey, let's just talk a little bit real quick. Uh, question number one is, where was Clinton born? Where were you born? What was your family like? What was childhood like? Tell me about that. So I was born here in Oregon, um, raised in Woodburn. Uh, big family. There's six of us kids, and we grew up the farm life. Had pigs, cows, grew a garden every year. Um, I fit in the middle of all the kids. I've got one sister who's the oldest, and then there's five boys. Wow. Mm-hmm. Your poor and, sister. <laughs> oh, she ran the house. Don't you worry. She's a boss. Yep. She was the oldest and took care of everything. Um, but I uh, feel like I grew up pre- pretty normal life. Went to elementary, middle school, had good friends. Uh, I was raised uh, LDS. Okay. And um, yeah, let lived a life of sports and education, played a lot outside. We'd go out and dig holes and run around doing stupid kid stuff. Just like, I mean, not a lot of things like that happen nowadays. Right. But, so it was a different life, but yeah. Okay. So you grew up in, so you went to school all the way through Woodburn High School. So I went to, I actually transferred out to North Marion, um, which takes in the kind of rural, North area of Woodburn, uh, Hubbard, Aurora, Donald, uh, much smaller school than Woodburn High School. And making that change was quite drastic. My middle school and high school had about the same amount of kids. Okay. Um, and because it was a small school, every, a, a lot of them had 
grown up together. So jumping into that and trying to find my way as kind of like a newcomer to all, all of these cliques and groups that had been well established for years um, was definitely a change that I, I didn't expect switching schools, but that was something I had to learn. Got it. What sports did you play? Because you mentioned sports. Yeah. So I grew up a, an athlete. I did soccer, basketball, football, um, did track. I was a big track guy. Wow. Uh, but anything with a ball, I tried. Uh, played a little bit of touch rugby in college, uh, lacrosse and PE classes, uh, picked up golf, disc golf, uh, anything that you would be willing to try. I would try it. Made up my own games. Played tennis ball, which is baseball with a tennis ball and a okay. tennis racket. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I ran a half marathon this last year. No um, kidding. So I've kind of dabbled into a lot of different sports. You like sports, I can tell. Did you have a favorite sport? Because I know you mentioned a lot, but which one was your favorite one? So football was definitely the favorite growing up. Okay. Um, being able to go out there and hit somebody was an absolute blast. Yeah. Uh, my coach in high school called me pound for pound, the biggest hitter he knew. And it was just one of those things that I felt myself in that element. Like I didn't have yeah. to be anything else. It was me doing what I loved. Um, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm guessing you played defense. Uh, yeah, that was where I. That's where the fun's I, at. Yes, that's where I definitely excelled. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Were you uh, uh, a linebacker? Uh, so most of the time I played safety. Safety. Um, I had the vision that I can kind of was able to read the quarterback, see where the ball was going, yeah. and then it was my job to get there as fast as possible. Dude, right um, on. So. Yeah. It's funny. Okay. That's awesome. I love football too, but and I'd say defense was always more fun than offense. Just smacking somebody. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh funny thing about offense, my my favorite offensive season was my freshman year. Um we had thir 13 guys on the roster, so everybody played both sides and I played fullback and we ran the ball a lot and it was my job to hit the first guy that got to the line. And so it was kind of like playing defense on both sides. On both sides. Uh, that just, does make sense. Just hitting my arms would be bruised. Yeah, because uh, as a fullback, you're you're oftentimes blocking for a what, mm -hmm. tailback that yep. runs the ball. Yeah, I didn't get the ball much, yeah. but I did not care. I I would open the holes and just hit people. And that's what Dude, I love doing. It's <laughs> funny, man. I, I, on multiple occasions, I actually got kicked out of practice because my coach didn't like us hitting too much in practice, but I was we had pads on. Um, so a couple of my teammates got hit a few times and, uh, I unfortunately had to pay the price for that, but, uh, yeah, this is what I love to do. Dude, I love it. Okay. So after high school, you went to college and you went to seven, uh, four different colleges yes. over seven years. Tell me about that. So started off getting credits at, uh, Chemeketa through a high school program. Yep. So I had credits from there and then I was actually set up to go to Oregon State. And a uh, couple of crazy things happened. High school girlfriend and I broke up a week before graduation. Um, I lost my roommate that I was planning to stay with uh, a month later. And with those two things, I was like, why do I still want to go there? And it was probably the wrong thing to do at the time. But I decided that I was going to forego Oregon State. Uh, took a year to get a job. Uh, worked at Bullwinkle's. Uh, Subway, Target, and that's just kind of started my 20 job uh, starting point. Yeah. But uh, ended up going to BYU-Idaho for yeah. a, the following summer. Yeah. Kind of to, in this time, I, I had fallen away from the LDS church. Yeah. And 
I had not taken the time to find my faith. Yeah. And so I felt like one of the best ways that I could do that was to immerse myself around all of the people that have the same faith. Yeah. And with me growing up LDS, I was like, I'm going to try going to BYU. Uh, they have requirements for church and groups and things like that. And so I went and did a semester over in Idaho. Uh, failed almost all of my classes, oh. played basketball for three months, and came back with basically the same mindset that I had going there. Um, but I did find out that I didn't – I knew the LDS church wasn't in line with my belief system. Hmm. Um and after that, I re-enrolled re in Oregon State, went there uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, took some teaching classes, took some engineering classes, and landed on interior design classes, um, getting into wanting to be an architect. And I fell one class short to getting into the pro school program, and that changed the entire course of my life. Hmm. Uh, one month later, I, I was trying to decide on, do I go back for another year? Because I have to take that one class, but the pro school program only starts in the fall. So I'd have mm -hmm. to take a full another year courses. Or do I transfer somewhere else and figure out what to do then? And then I was invited to an ice cream party from a friend from high school. And I met my wife at that party. And Great ice cream party. A great ice cream party. Uh, she was at Warner Pacific College up in Portland. Yeah. And I transferred there a month later and went on the, the route to get my business degree. Okay. So how old are you when you decided to go to Warner? Are you like early 20s at this point? Yeah, now? I think I was 21. All right. Then you, did you graduate from Warner or? Uh, sort of. There's got to be one um, more college. No, you at Chemeketa, BYU, Oregon State. And then Warner. Warner. And I didn't uh, graduate from the traditional Warner campus. Uh, I was one one trimester short of graduating with the class in the springtime. And so instead of, but my wife had graduated. And so instead of us staying on campus and me finishing my degree, I decided to switch over to online and finish up my college online. Not all of my transfer credits transferred to online. And so I ended up taking a whole nother year to finish that up. But it allowed us to go on one of the greatest trips uh, of our lives, me and my wife. We Were you married now at this point in time? Yes. Okay, when do you, back up just a moment, when did you guys get married? So During college? During college, and then we stayed. So at the end of her junior year, we got married, and then so we spent her senior year on campus married together. That's awesome, at Warner. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, have some good friends from there, Yeah, and a lot of good times, but we always had this dream of moving away and we we knew without the kids without uh, set locked in jobs this was the time to do it and so we packed up all of our belongings in our car and drove to Texas okay uh, a week after she graduated yeah. um, and so which was why you took the online yep you and so online. I was able to do school still online yeah. and we went off on this three-month adventure to Texas uh, why not yeah exactly Things didn't quite work out as we wanted to, but it's something that we both hold dear to our our hearts, uh, being able to go and have that experience. And then we moved back here to Oregon and started our our official professional lives. So go back real quick. Is Warner Pacific, is that a Christian college at all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. 
What'd your wife uh, graduate with? What type of degree? Uh, I believe it's some uh, biology okay. uh, degree. She originally wanted to get into physical therapy, yeah. Um, but now she works at Salem Hospital doing uh, contracts for supply chain. There you go. Yeah. Totally makes sense, right? Yeah. It's funny how we graduate from college and it may or may not always be the exact same, but that's mm-hmm. okay. But her, her mission hasn't changed. She's always been one that she wants to, to help people mm. uh, in her community and around the world. And uh, she knows working for the hospital, she gets to impact the, the lives of a lot of people. Wow. And um, so even though she's not necessarily in the position she even knew of yeah. in college, yeah. uh, she's in a position where she's able to make an impact. Got and that's it. always been important to her. Right. Wow. What a vision. So you went to Texas, come back, you're married. Um, how long have you been married now? So this June's going to be nine years. Time flies. Yeah. And you guys are still in your early 20s, right? Uh, I, Not quite? No, <laughs> uh, just, I'll be 31 this June. Okay, cool. So. That's awesome. So two kids, one on the way, more kids after that? or So the plan's to have four. Okay. And yeah, it's always kind of been three or four, depending on how things work out. Uh, us getting the girl here at number three relieves a lot of the tension for yeah. number four. Yeah. Um, I always say that I, I've wanted a little Caitlin running around. Uh, and so uh, it's nice to have a boy and a girl now. And so number four will, four will come when it does, if yeah. it does. So. That's so cool. All right. So you guys are married. Uh, one thing, uh, obviously, you're, you are a real estate agent. Uh, just about. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> and one of the things, talk to us about the idea of, you mentioned being a stay-at-home father and a husband, which is awesome that you can do that. Your wife has a great job. You can still do real estate on the side. Mm-hmm. What's that look like to you? What does that mean to you? So for a long time, um, like I had mentioned, I, I've had 20 different jobs. I, I never really locked in on something that I wanted to do, yeah. but I knew I wanted to be a father. And so for ever since I met my wife, my job has been to, I've always said, my job is to get you where you want to be so then I can be the stay-at-home father, stay-at-home husband, and take care of the life and give a life that we want for our kids. Um, and so with real estate, that's allowed me to be at home and have this uh, flexibility to where I can spend the days with the kids. And uh, luckily enough, we have grandma in town. So she takes the kids for a couple of days a week. And those are my big real estate days. Yeah. Um, but even when I have the, the kids at home, I'm able to check emails and do these big phone calls when I need to during nap time um, and get the work done that needs to get done. But uh, real estate was something that I knew had that allowed for that flexibility. Yeah. I've seen it in a number of my friends' lives. Yeah. And uh, so that's what kind of drew me to real estate along with my interest in home building, like I said, taking architecture classes. So it just kind of lined up as uh, a mutual interest there. Uh, Eventually, the goal is to no longer do real estate and just be able to focus 100% and take care of my kids, take care of the house. Mm. Um, We've talked about me homeschooling and doing those things as well. So That's a blessing, man. That's that's a great vision. So it's a blessing. I noticed that you you, you mentioned this morning, uh, I want to be a stay-at-home husband, and father and the view on service that has led me to that. What is a view on service? What does that mean? So service, it it kind of, it stems all the way back to when I was a kid. My mom always called me the peacemaker of the family. And for a 
long time, um, I, I held that very dear to my heart yeah. of, and it kind of got me in trouble at times because I played more to the people pleaser side of that. And I lost some of my own identity sometimes, mm. uh, but serving others and making sure other people are taken care of and uh, feel comfortable and are happy has been in my DNA for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so with me not wanting, like me not necessarily knowing what I want to do for a job, my goal then shifted to, I want to serve my family and my kids in a way that they're going to be able to make an impact mm -hmm. in this world. And that's going to be the way that I impact the world. Man, what would this life be like if more dads like you, more husbands said, hey, I want to serve my family at a higher level and really help them reach their potential, their God-given gifts. What an amazing thing. So my hat's off to you, man. Absolutely. Really. Thank you. That's so cool. It's unfortunate the low bar that is set oh, um, in, much, in many regards. And so it's – and as somebody who gets to spend so much time with his kids, unfortunately I see it often. Uh, I'll be walking through Costco with my two boys and I'll get comments of, oh, dad's with the boys today. And I was like, that shouldn't be a a wild, right? A wild a, statement, a, assumption almost. Uh, yeah, and so it it is. It's nice that I can one be an example to my kids, yeah. but also be a beacon out to the world that yeah. fathers need to be in their kids' life, Man. and it, it doesn't need to be this rare occurrence that right. we are raising and enjoy and um, want to have an impact on our family. It's interesting. So I have two daughters. I don't, and we stopped at two because I thought if we have one more, it's probably gonna be another girl. I'm pretty <laughs> sure of it. God's like repaying me for my, I don't know, whatever. So one thing I learned from other men was they would date their daughters. You don't have a daughter yet, but you're going to. But in a way, you're you're spending time with your boys. You're going to Costco. You're hanging out with them. What a joy and what that would look like. Um, who was your mentor in your life that helped you realize the importance of being a present dad, spending time with your boys? Who was that person? Is there one person? Is there many people? So mainly it was it was my mom. She was a stay-at-home mom for the majority of my life. Yeah. Um, and I got to see the impact. She was at school volunteering. She came on. Uh, countless field trips. She was able to pick us up from school, from sporting events, go to our games. And this was with, like I said, six kids. And she she tried to make everything. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I saw my dad who worked extremely hard and would show up to games and things like that. But I did not have the same relationship with my father. Hmm. And I know he's an outgoing person. He's very uh, well known within his group. Yeah. But we did not have the communication or the relationship that um, I would have liked. Um, and so, being able to see the two, the two dynamics of my parents, of my mom being there for everybody, yeah, and not having that relationship with my dad, I was like, I can be there for my kids because that's what my mom was but I can then do better and have that relationship and make sure that um, I'm kind of playing both sides of it and not just being a provider, 
right. in, a, in a monetary sense, but actually providing value and impact in their lives mm. in, in a more spiritual education relational regard. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and no dad's perfect, by the way, right? Absolutely and not. We're trying, but I think in a way your dad was loving, he provided. Mm -hmm. A lot of us dads feel like, oh, gee, I make the money, therefore I don't have to do X, Y, and Z. But in a way you actually see, yes, you still get to provide and show up emotionally mm -hmm. for your kids. I think a lot of kids are waiting for their parents to be present and you're actually doing that. And maybe you learn from your dad what not to do, even though he loved it. He, you loved him and he loved you. Absolutely. Um, it's it's not that I had a bad relationship with my father in any means. It's just yeah. the type of relationship that I was looking for as a kid was not necessarily there. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I am very blessed with, with the relationship that I had with my parents, me following away from, from their belief system when I was 16, I had a conversation with my mom that sticks with me to, to today. They raised me in the best way they knew how. And I'm just trying to do the same thing for my kids. And I think that's if if that's what we strive to do, I don't think we can be faulted for that. Amen. I, so no, I totally agree. My my dad and I have these conversations too. You know, he could always say, Well, maybe I, I failed here as a dad and I could have done this better. I'm like, Dad, I don't see it that way as a as your kid, as your son. I had a great upbringing. It was fantastic. And quite honestly, I didn't know any different. And that's, the kids are, your kids will grow up and go, well, all dads spend time with their, their boys and their kids and go to Costco and shop with them and hang out. Well, then they're going to find out later on, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know that. So whatever our kids go through, that's just normal, right? Mm -hmm. So you're creating a new normal for your kids, which is good. Yep. It's fantastic. Hey, tell me a little bit about, uh, disc golf what what's your passion there because i know you mentioned did you do it in high school or did you really do it later on in life so disc golf i i found during the boom of covid uh disc golf got a big uh a big boost in popularity during the covid years because it was an activity you could go outside and do for very cheap and you weren't around other people yeah no mask required no mask required uh i actually had picked up golf and had played a number of rounds, uh, picked up clubs and traditional golf, I should say. Traditional golf, yeah. And with little kids, I found out it was too expensive and took too long. And so I was trying to find this activity that I could do that was easy on my ankle because club foot has kind of caught up with me. Right. Um, and I was searching, I was watching golf videos and I saw a disc golfing video on YouTube, clicked it, and I was like, this sounds so much fun and went out picked up a couple of discs and i was instantly hooked it's <laughs> uh, awesome and so i've played i picked up the game in june of 2020 uh and i think i've played over 200 some rounds of disc golf since then um i would play on my lunch breaks i would play anytime i could get outside and it was so nice because you can play nine holes in half an hour Really? I could take my kids because it's just at a public park. Yeah, just walk around. I'd throw them in the stroller. My my oldest has been playing disc golf since he was six months old. That's awesome. Uh, he was my caddy. I'd hand him discs and he'd hold on to them and uh, take the whole family, which is different from a lot of your traditional golf courses yeah. because you have to pay 40 bucks to play. Oh, yes. They want a quiet environment. And 
at a public park. It's free and kids are yelling and screaming anyways, so it yeah, doesn't matter. Perfect, yeah. Absolutely. A lot of people take their dogs with them and I've met a, a lot of uh, nice and fun people and it's it's grown into more than just a hobby for me. Mm. Uh, definitely enthusiast and uh, a lot of that comes with my love for numbers and stats and competitiveness. And uh, I've hopped onto the back of the pro scene where they have a full disc golf pro tour that travels the United States and even over to Europe. And I have spent far too much time uh-huh. <laughs> uh, diving into it. All right. So Clubfoot, how is that affecting your golf, uh, your disc golf game? Um, has your disc golf game improved since the day you began to where you are today? And what's this look like for the next uh, maybe five or 10 years? And you also have a YouTube channel. So talk about all those. Clubfoot, you know, all those questions. Will do. Uh, starting off Clubfoot, uh, if you don't know, Clubfoot is a birth defect. Your foot actually is rotated up to where your heel is facing out, looking like a golf club. It looks like a seven iron. Interesting. Um, and so there's uh, re- surgery that they can do to adjust it and uh, over the years i've uh, put in a lot of work to build it up as much as i can but i had surgery when i was 14 months old and had over 100 casts on it and so the development wasn't there and uh, so my whole leg from my my left leg from the knee down is actually smaller my feet are different sizes they're a nine and a half and a not eleven and a half Wow. Um, so there's a lot of things that come with Clubfoot that a lot of people don't see first off. Um, even people who've known me for years and years don't know that this is something that I have to deal with. And as I've grown older, it's become more of an issue. Uh, impact with the ground plays a big part in it. It causes a lot of pain. Um, and so disc golf is really nice because it's walking. It's it's not this hard hitting. You do have a quick motion when you're throwing, but for the most part, I've got no issue with it, which is one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it because I can do all these things without having to deal with pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I have absolutely improved since I first started. The, I, I wasn't, I'm not good at throwing a traditional Frisbee. Uh, growing up as a kid, people throw Frisbees. I yeah. was always on the receiving. I catch it much better than I could ever throw it. And so when I first picked up a disc, it was the same way. Mm. Uh, was not good at throwing it, but over the last years and watching myself throw on video and watching tutorials, I've actually been able to get up a disc and throw it up over 400 feet, which is wow, quite a distance and not nearly as good as the pros, but um, I have, it is sticking with this hobby for this long and seeing the improvement that I have has given me a new light on how I can prove in other aspects of my life as well, which has been super helpful. And where disc golf is going, disc golf is is a growing sport. Um, we've seen over the last two or three years, professional disc golfers sign million dollar contracts. We're seeing new and new, more and more new properties put up disc golf courses. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see some golf courses in the area have disc golf baskets now. Interesting and. It's just going to, I think it's going to continue to grow. It's such an easy sport and you can start at such a young age that we are seeing now 17-year-olds go out on their pro tour and win events. 
Um, hmm. It is absolutely incredible. And for me in disc golf, my goal is to, with my disc golf YouTube channel, uh, spread more awareness to the stats behind playing disc golf. It's, yeah. it's something that a lot of other sports have their fantasy sports. You dive into the numbers and I'm trying to do that same thing with disc golf. And my goal eventually is just to have my own channel. I work a little bit with the pro tours, uh, official stat sponsorship of mm. stat Mando. I do a little bit of on the back end with them, but with the flexibility that I want, I think I'm just going to stick to my, to my channel and run it the way I want to. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, mean, I love your, your love for being outside, your love for sports, your love for math, and you're now combining mm -hmm. disc golf with your math numbers. Talk to me a little bit about the math number. You said there's, there's some, yes. and I believe, I believe in what you're saying. There's numbers have uh, a meaning, but talk mm -hmm. to, talk to us about that. So uh, this is always something that I like to, to tell people about because numbers and math is something that a lot of people struggle with. But ever since I was first, second grade, I knew that numbers were something that I, I just innately understood. Wow. Um, and the second grade, I taught my my teacher a new way to do five times multiplications um, in a way that she had never heard before. Wow. And I just continued this journey of me trying to figure out new ways to do problems that other people have done. And it got me in trouble a lot because I wasn't doing the math the same way that the teacher taught. And so I'd lose points because this, that, or the other thing. But I, I was so focused on learning new math like math techniques and numbers i i feel bad now that i've strayed so far away from it but getting back into this realm of statistics and numbers and pattern recognition has been a joy to my heart because mm. it, it just comes so naturally to me um and so yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's not something a lot of people have a, a good relationship with numbers and math, but it's something that I yeah. definitely do. It seems like you're a real creative guy. I mean, you want to be an architect, you want to build things, you like numbers and working through. And the world wants you to conform to the world, or teachers want you to conform to their way of teaching. And really, your personality you're you're a, you're a super nice guy. Like I don't know, yeah, you don't have a mean body, a bone in your body, but just compete against me. Okay, so there's a competitive part of Clinton <laughs> that uh, maybe I don't know about, yeah. but this is cool. But it showed up early on, and you're you're not trying to compete with your teacher, but at the same time, like I'm challenging your thinking. Like it's bigger than that. So you have a unique gift. I think it's awesome. I think something that um, I can bring to the world, and that I, I hope maybe somebody can get from this, is there are so many different ways to see things, hmm. uh, and that's one thing that I want to instill in my kids is like. I, I've worked in a ton of different jobs. Mm. I've done a lot of things that aren't the traditional way of thinking, yeah. the traditional way of doing things. And you, people learn in so many different ways. People teach in so many different ways. And if you have, if you're on this track, it doesn't matter like if somebody says it's right, if somebody else says it's right or wrong, if it, uh, if it makes sense to you, Truthfully, you should explore that mm. because you see things different from a different perspective than anybody else in the world. Yeah. And and that's something that I have really taken to heart of. You might not like the way that I'm doing things, 
but if I get the right answer, I get the right answer. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's cool. You know, everybody and nobody knows all things, right? Correct. So just because, and parents do this a lot too, where kids just do as I say, not as I do. And, Mm -hmm. but really I like the verse that says, train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. You know, God wired every one of us a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think to be humble enough to realize, like, I, I try not to tell my kids anything. I just ask questions. Hey, so which way would you like to do this? What, what's on your mind? What, what are your options? Because I think as a parent, I love to tell my opinion. And if I can walk away from that, realizing I don't have all answers and maybe they have something better. What's interesting? Most of the time, whenever I'm asking the question, I'm learning and not thinking I have all the answers. So Absolutely. that's... Uh, Hopefully that's humility in, in our lives that we can embrace. And I mean, if this is, if I say I'm the smartest I'll ever be, that's pretty boring. Like, no, I want to keep learning, like keep growing. So yes, well, hey, we're, we're quite a ways in this podcast, but where I want to wrap up is you met, you start out at LDS Mormon, right? Mm, yes. You went to BYU. You, you, your faith was challenged. You now go to a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So growing up LDS was a a different experience than a, what a lot of people uh, experience. But for me, it's a tough, how do I say this? I really like a lot of the aspects of the, of the LDS church. They focus on family. They focus on fellowship. And you can go to anywhere in the world and you're going to basically find the same church. Uh, where I... F- the issue that I ran into was I went through going to church, going to youth groups, all of these things up until I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And I didn't feel like my faith was my own, Hmm. but it was the churches around me. It was my parents. It was something that I didn't spend the time to know that I truly believed these, these things. And so I started asking questions, doing Um, research on my own. And with that, I had a couple of friends who were Christian at the time. And so we had a lot of conversations. And at first, it wasn't the fact that I knew the LDS church wasn't right. I fell away mostly because this was what I had been told my entire life. And I wanted to make sure that there wasn't other things out there that might have, that I thought were true. And I think that's where a lot of the headbutting came is because I think my parents and my friends at the time, because I lost a lot of them through this, thought that I was banishing the church from my life. But it was more of me just wanting to make sure, kind of like the cold feet. You want to see if anything else is out there. And I went through a lot of time where I wasn't searching for God. I was just living life, being of the world. And it came to Oregon State. There's a, a um, there's this lady who I wanted to court and take out on a date. And she, she goes, I'm not going to date anyone that I, that doesn't know what they believe. Hmm. And that hit me hard. I knew it was going to come to like those conversations were going to come. But at that time in my life, I didn't have a whole bunch of direction and it was a, a jarring question 
like and a jarring statement i guess you should say i should say of i'm not going to date somebody who doesn't know what their belief system is and i had never really thought of me not knowing what my belief system was i was just living life and so that started this rekindling of my interest in trying to find god reading scripture meeting with those christian friends going to different churches and uh it all fell together of like I said, I went to BYU to be immersed in in LDS culture and LDS beliefs. And with Warner Pacific, I I had that conversation six months prior to meeting my wife. And she was going to a Christian college. My best friend was going to Warner Pacific. I was like, I'm going to take the dive and go immerse myself in the Christian belief and Christian systems. And by the following March, February, March, April... Uh, I was in chapel one day. I don't even remember what was being spoken. I broke down in tears, Hmm. broke down in tears with joy and happiness and sorrow. And I literally, I basically fell over the chairs trying to run out of the, of chapel because I, I just in that moment knew Christ died for me Hmm. and I had to go and find Caitlin and tell her and be with her. So you guys were dating. Yeah. She was a Christian. Technically you were Mormon. Mm-hmm. And then you go and find her. What'd you tell her? I don't remember. Uh, I just wanted to be with her and I held her. And she was just asking, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And I was like, yes, everything's great. Um, and I was shortly baptized afterwards. And, mm-hmm. Um, I now, it has been a, I mean, that was nine years ago, but it's been a journey of, and I haven't done a great job chasing after Christ mm. in in all aspects of my life. Um, I'm still a, a youth, technically, in my Christian faith, and I'm doing better now in, in, in trying to find these, um, these truths, but it is... It is such a joy to be on this side and to know that um, Christ died for me and and I'm here to serve him. Mm. How do you share that with your kids? How do you teach them about the way? You know, Jesus, if Jesus is the way, how do you teach them? Uh, that, that's something I'm trying to learn right now. Um, it's actually nice. My wife and I are in a, a Bible group. Uh, it's reading a, a book called The uh, disciple making parents hmm. and uh, we're going through and learning how to disciple our kids and it's it's I'm finding out that I have been far too passive in that regard my kids are old enough to understand and ask questions and uh, even at two and three they they can know Christ and sometimes I forget that a lot of times I forget that and so um, this year has been a, a goal of mine to talk more with them, read more Bible stories with them, and be have a, just a more conscious effort to have it in our home and not just at church because we do great at church. We It, it comes easy. You take them to church and they are taught by wonderful teachers, but that's one day a week. That's one hour, one day a week. It's like eating one meal a week and going, okay, hope you make it. Exactly. As that kid, I grew up kind of quasi in the church too go to church and but at home things that my dad and I do talk about is like we weren't praying and we weren't reading our bibles 
fast forward, I get married at 23. I don't come to know the Lord until I'm 28. And then, so my dad and I have these conversations. What happened? Conviction for me is when we did have kids, my wife and I, the conviction was you'll never not pray for your kids every day. You will never not read the Bible literally every day. We'll read scriptures. We'll memorize scriptures. That was my conviction. Haven't done it perfectly, but I can tell you my girls are now 25 and 23, and, you know, they're still living the Christian life. They haven't arrived, right? Nobody arrives, but they know the Word of God. And what's interesting is when I'm having a bad day, they go, hey, have you been reading your Bible? You've been praying? You've been memorizing Scripture? They'll quote a Bible verse to me. And so, good job, though, man. You're Look, you're not a perfect dad, but you're pursuing Christ and you're per- pursuing perfection, but you won't ever be perfect. And in that, we love our kids. And your kids will remember not what you did wrong, but how much you loved them. So good Absolutely. job, man. Thanks for being a great dad. Thanks for being a great role model. I, I love you. You're taking that competitive personality that you are, and you're you're channeling that into how you serve your wife and your kids. I think that's actually remarkable. Uh, that was a good, a good testimony <laughs> and story for men to take away. Well, thank you. So, well, hey, we're going to wrap up here. Um, this is great, man. Is there anything that you can think of that maybe we, we didn't cover that you just love to share? What would somebody, they want to reach out to you? How would they get a hold of you? But yeah, give us give us one nugget of maybe somebody needs to hear something that you're thinking about. So I'll, I'll say this. Um, I'll finish up with these two things because I feel like it, it kind of encapsulates everything that we've talked about today. Yeah. Um, on the drive-in, I... I turned on the song that I haven't turned on for a very long time. And it's, uh, Jesus is at the center of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been a song that I've held dear to my heart um, because it's just the truth. And if we live our life that way, then nothing, like it eases so many fears. Mm-hmm. And alongside that, with all of the different things, like teaching our kids, learning different things, all of the different things that we've talked about, getting as many quote unquote at bats as possible. Um, if you, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to know everything, but if you continue to try time and time and time again, you never know what's going to impact your kids at the time when you say it, even if you say it a hundred times, that the 101st might click for them. If you try disc golf, basketball, football, whatever, if you try a new sport, you never know the next one might be the one that you make your entire personality. And so getting as many at-bats, and that's what I want to do for my kids because I didn't know what I wanted to do grow up because I feel like I didn't experience as many things that I needed to to find. I found disc golf at 27. Yeah. I could have found it at six and my life would have been completely different. And so I just want to give my kids as many at bats, mm-hmm. finding out as many different things, knowing that Jesus is at the center and no matter what they end up finding for themselves, it was meant to be that way through Christ. Yeah. Wow. Well, Clint, this has been a lot of fun, man. Well done. Uh, whenever I interview or have a conversation with people, I, I, I do learn. I learn about you and, 
who are you? I didn't know you grew <laughs> up LDS, you know? It's interesting, you know? Yes. I love the Mormon folks. They're beautiful people, they right? Are. They, they are. They, they love their families. So, well, it's been a pleasure to hang out with you, uh, get to know you. I'll be watching your YouTube channel. I'll be watching what you do with your, your boys and your daughter that's on her way. Due date is for the daughter? Uh, early June. Early June. She's coming. She's coming. What a joy. Yes. What a joy. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's a joy. Well, thanks again for all you listeners out there. We appreciate you listening every week. We would really appreciate if you just keep sharing this message. Clinton's got a great story, and and uh, it's going to impact somebody. We don't know who, but we'd love to hear the story of how it impacts either you or somebody you know. So keep listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye.